Hello everyone, this is Jake Adler, and you're listening to On Record, a weekly podcast from the Calvier Daily at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. I'm here with my co-host, Ariana Aronson. Hi everyone. And we are super excited to have you listening this week. Now, as a freshman at the University of Virginia... Jake, what did you just say? Which part? You said freshman. Yeah, and? Now, as a first year, I know this might be news to you, but we say first, second, third, or fourth year, not freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. Ah, of course. I knew that. UVA is so weird. (laughs) It is. And it's for that reason that we are going to be discussing the crazy and unique traditions of UVA that date back decades. With that being said, it's important to contextualize the time and circumstances in which these traditions originated. That's important to note. Today, we do have a special guest who graduated back in 1971. I'm super curious to know how the current UVA compares to the UVA back in the 70s. And as Easter is coming up, I really want to know what an Easter's party looked like. Well, to fuel the Easter's conversation, we will also be speaking with Timothy Peoples. He is a current third year and has great insight into the student body's consistent attempts to revive the Easter's party. Sounds fantastic. Speaking of tradition, Grace, our lovely editor, can you please cue the classic transition music of the On Record podcast so we can speak with our first guest, Tom Falders. Thank you, Grace. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Jake. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Fantastic. So would you tell us about yourself? Well, I'm a 1971 graduate of the college. I started obviously in 67, graduated in 71, majored in economics. I was one of the many thousands of students who took Ken Elzinga. I took him while he in his second year here and became in, immediately entranced with economics. Anyway, I was, um, I was also a winner in the draft lottery, so I chose to jumped in the Navy, and then got out and went to business school. From that point on, I basically went into um, the high-tech and telecommunications industry. Through about uh, 2006, at that point, I came back to the university and headed up the Alumni Association for 11 years. Throughout all that time that you've experienced UVA, both as a student and as the president of the Alumni Association, how would you say that UVA has changed traditions-wise since you graduated in 71, um, are there any traditions that exist now that didn't exist back then or vice versa? I may not know all the traditions that exist now. Things like lighting the lawn did not exist uh, when we were students, um, but a lot of things still persist. The honor system in one form or another, um, I would say the honor code has not changed much in the, the sense of being a member of a community of honor. The mechanisms of enforcement have changed substantially. Uh, since I was a student, but we had judiciary committee, we had student council, we had all those sorts of things. We didn't have many girls sports at that point in time, because when I started and through my third year, it was an all-male institution. Uh, women were admitted to the university, college, engineering, et cetera, in uh, this, in the uh, fall of 1970. So there were 350 or so first-year women who were admitted, and then there were a number of transfer uh, students who came in and populated both the then the second year class and the third year class. I was in my fourth year. So we had almost no women in our class, probably the last one to go through not having women. Uh, so, so the basic institutions uh, remain the same, Jefferson uh, Literary and Basic Debate Society was there, the Ribbon Societies, the Ring Society, Seventh Society, a variety of other societies have come and gone. Uh, we had you guides. Uh, we had the university band, we had uh, the Glee Club, Virginia Gentlemen. Uh, we had the early version of Academical Village People. 
uh, it was just called Academical Village. We had a pep band, uh, which as opposed to the march, marching band, um, it was what they called a scatter band that would um, not march onto the field, but run. And on signals, they would scatter all over the place and form different formations. They generally had a script that was highly sarcastic of the opponent, uh, opposing team. Fantastic. That's a ton of changes that you're not even changes, just things that date back so long. And it's crazy. They have remained still at UVA. I want to, I want to focus on what you mentioned that when they switched from the coat and tie period to allowing women into the university and the college of arts and sciences and the engineering, as you mentioned, what was kind of, what was that like to experience a, a significant cultural change at the university that you'd been at for three years. And then all of a sudden this monumental change occurred. What was kind of the feeling, the environment? You had to remember that the backdrop of when we were in school, the Vietnam War was raging. Substantial effort to try to say, we don't want to be part of the war. The immigration was an issue then, still an issue now. And other diversity didn't really exist. Um, so we had a draft lottery um, where you could almost tell the day after the draft lottery who won and who lost. But this was hanging over our heads. Um, so there were a lot of things that... Um, were in the background that affected everybody's experience there. Um, I will say when my, my first year I had, before I showed up, I had to uh, go out and get a number of sport coats and dress pants, ties, dress shirts, and, and decent shoes because you didn't go anywhere. You didn't even go to the laundromat without wearing a coat and tie. It was just expected. And that persisted through uh, my second year, although I started seeing people um, wearing fatigue jackets and that sort of stuff a little bit more. By my third year, when I came back, it was like somebody flipped a switch. And hardly anybody was wearing a coat and tie. So there was a variety of different things going on. It wasn't just one thing or another. But one thing I'll say uh, at student age, and, and you'll identify with this, um, we're, we're pretty resilient. Um, so you take the change in stride because we were working in an environment with a background of a lot of change and a lot of angst. Um, you just accepted it and moved on. There were very few people who were upset about women being admitted to the university. I would say uh, as a group, the people that were probably the most upset were the professors. Um, not all of them, of course, but some of the old time ones who basically felt like they signed up to teach young men and not young women. But from a student point of view, as far as I could tell, it was fairly benign. That's, uh, I cannot even imagine that I mean, I've only been here obviously one year, but that seems like a lot of changes very quickly. And so when you come back to the university now, is it sort of like a shock or do you still feel connected even though it has changed so significantly? Well, there are a number of things that um, endear the university to, to its alumni and students. Obviously the sense of place, the academic village, uh, the architecture, um, the lawn, the, the corner for that matter. All touch points, corner, corner, of course, the merchants have changed on the corner, but the corner is still the same way. In fact, when I was a student, Mr.'s Pipe Shop was really a pipe shop. It wasn't just for t-shirts, but the white spot was still there. It's been a constant. Um, at any rate, I think Charlottesville has changed. The university certainly has changed. The university is much more diverse um, than when I was a student. And I, I think that's a very welcome change. I think it makes for a much better education then basically all of us white guys in, in coats and ties. Today's environment is probably a much healthier environment uh, for, for learning for your, your place in the world stage. And that's crazy that you got to experience that because of how far we have come since you attended. And, I, and I, uh, now I would just like to pivot 
towards this this weekend is Easter. Um, and as you know, Easter's was a very large thing. I understand that the peak of Easter's was 1976, but when you were a student at the university, did you start to see a buildup of the celebration of Easter's at UVA? No question. First of all, uh, there were four big weekends at UVA, not just Easter's. There was openings, midwinters, Easter's, and finals. Finals was mostly for the fourth yearmen who were graduating or taking their degrees. And, um, and so a lot of us didn't attend finals, but, but um, openings, midwinters, and Easter's, you know, was, was, a, was a major weekend event in which you invite uh, dates from the surrounding girls' schools to come in. We had approved housing then. They had to stay in approved housing. You had to write to the dean of women of that particular institution to give her all the details of where the student was going to be. So it was, a, you know, it was uh, properly maintained, as they would have said. But uh, all the all the weekends had certain commonality. They had Friday was a was a dance, and generally took place in Memorial Gym. Saturday was a concert. that um, took place at U Hall, which of course doesn't exist anymore. And then between all that were fraternity parties. Now, back then about two thirds of the student body were members of fraternities, as opposed to I think probably about a third now. But the fraternities really ruled the social roost. And so you would have the, um, the fraternity parties would follow the, the dance at Memorial Gym and run until around two or three. Then the uh, concert would take place, usually start at eight, ran to 10, 10.30, and then fraternity parties would start again um until two or three um and then sunday was always um a party which generally featured grain punch so it, it became a uh, a good opportunity to lose a number of brain cells but nonetheless that tended to be the standard approach now in the case of openings the weather was pretty good so a lot of a lot of partying was done outdoors midwinters it got a little chillier and so most most everybody stayed inside the fraternity houses um, or out of mad balls, case may be. And then Easter's uh, usually was a wonderful weekend. Uh, even if it rained, nobody really cared. Um, it was uh, the biggest of, of, of the three or the four weekends. And it became much, much larger. It became outsized in terms of its draw. We had students coming from up and down the East Coast, as far away as uh, you know, Florida. And I saw a number of Harvard students there and so on and so forth. So we drew students from all over and the population at its peak. Now, this was uh, three or four years after I was there. It was calculated that the population of the people who attended Easter's weekend was double that of the university and Charlottesville combined. And that ultimately be became its demise because it got so big that the police force realized they, they couldn't control it. If something got out of hand, they were, they were uh, basically powerless. And of course, their job is to protect protect the community. Wow. And now we here we are today where uh, Easter's has not occurred since 1982. Well, Fox Seals has kind of taken over a little bit, yeah. but never to the scale that Easter's got to. No, not at all. From what I've heard and what I've seen about Easter's online, it, it looks incomparable. Well, fantastic, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us today. To be honest, if we had discussed Easter's maybe a month ago, I would have simply had no idea what everyone was referring to. Easter's has not been a tradition at UVA since 1982. In an article published by the Washington Post, they indicated that the cancellation of the event took place on December 1st, 1982, 
It states, quote, the University of Virginia yesterday decided to withdraw recognition of Easter's, the raucous April weekend that Playboy magazine once called, quote, the best party in America, end quote. The UVA vice president for student affairs at the time, Ernest Earn Jr., said that Easter's, quote, no longer merits official university sanction, end quote, due to property damage, the huge influx of outsiders, and the qualms from Charlottesville police, residents, and politicians. This denouncement of the event was never lifted. However, there are rumors of revived Easter's in 2022. But we have questions. Why now? What for? And frankly, how? All valid. So we spoke to Timothy Peoples, the president of the Phi Psi fraternity. Okay. Um, so my name is Timothy Peoples. Um, I'm a third year um, and I'm studying mechanical engineering in Phi Psi. I've been president since last February. So kind of been involved a lot with uh, what we what we do, what we try and plan, things like that. Very cool. So today we're talking a lot about UVA traditions and the potential revival of Easter's because that's kind of what's been spreading around. So can you give us a little bit more information on what people might be talking about? Yes, back uh, last semester um, at the beginning of the year, me and a few of the other guys in Fiside kind of joked around with the idea of, of bringing back Easter's in some form or another. And then uh, we ended up uh, talking to the barons who actually thought it would be a great idea as well. Um, so that's kind of where the idea started. And at, we immediately realized like you can't just say we're bringing back Easter's because obviously that wasn't the best, uh, the best type of thing that happened back in the 80s. It was more of a mess and everything like that. Um, so we wanted to kind of take the idea of it and the fact that like, hey, people can kind of come together for this big event but turn it into um, a philanthropy event in order for a way to raise a lot of money um, through Greek organizations and things like that. What was kind of that planning or like that initial process after it was a part of a discussion? What was the next step in order to see, is this actually feasible and what type of philanthropy do we want to end up donating to? Yeah, so first um, we basically started reaching out to a lot of other chapters to see who would want to get involved. And we basically, we never found someone that was just like, hey, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and so once we got um, enough interest, we knew that like, hey, this is actually like a very feasible thing. And basically we could we could pull a bunch of money together to get like a big name artist. Like, so then once we got that squared away, we decided on what charity to go for. And we thought the best way would be to give back to something in the Charlottesville community. So we picked UVA Children's and we reached out to them probably at the beginning of the semester, I would say, and had a few meetings with them. And they liked the idea. They liked having a concert and having it be a big way to raise money for them. And uh, they suggested or they said that because they're like a UVA entity that we had to make sure that we clarified it with the school first. So then that's when um, we started getting like a formal plan in action to make a proposal and everything like that in order to make, make it actually happen. And where do we stand now? Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, the school did not exactly like the idea of having a concert on Mad Bull. They thought that it was just not the best place to do it. And they suggested a few other options like Scott Stadium and JPJ, um, which we kind of disagreed with. Um, so we really wanted this to be like a, a thing for just anybody that really wanted to walk by to see like, hey, like these organizations can bring a lot of good to the community. And we thought Madball would be like the best place to be visible and, and do that. 
And that so with Nomad Bowl in place, are the Barons still coming? Yeah, I think definitely um, uh, for at least for this weekend, um, we're still thinking about doing some sort of philanthropy event at our house. Obviously, it won't be Easter's since um, we can't get approval to do that. But we, I think we'll still have some sort of a philanthropy event at our house itself. And I'm sure um, a lot of people hopefully will come together to raise some money for that. Um, but in the future, uh, I think it's definitely a possibility that could happen. I know this for different reasons, one or the other, um, the process of getting approval took a lot longer than expected. We can hopefully get some sort of plan of action um, for maybe next year or something, maybe at a different venue, something like that. But I think it's definitely a great idea to have a, some sort of charity concert, whether it's called Easter's to call it Easter's and keep the tradition or maybe call it something else. Um, not to associate with all the, the bad connotations of past Easter's. No, absolutely. Well, thank you for speaking with me today and good luck with the hopeful philanthropy event that's happening this weekend. With this drop-off and the attempted resurgence of Easter's, it raises questions on other UVA traditions. Actually, another tradition that would be relevant to you, Jake, if it were still around, would be the tradition of first-year hats. Ah, yes. The unwritten rule that first years had to wear hats. An edition of College Topics published on October 4th, 1921, stated, quote, From ancient times, first-year men at the University of Virginia have been expected to wear their hats outdoors consistently throughout their first year. You don't have to do it. Absolute freedom of thought and action is one of the boasts of this institution. But you are expected to do it, and it is well to enter into the spirit of any school you attend, end quote. The efforts of upperclassmen persisted to keep this tradition alive, but over time, it slowly started to disappear. In 1946, a student stated, quote, tradition should be flexible. It should adjust to changing conditions. The hat convention should be abandoned graciously without hysteria, end quote. Tradition flexibility makes me think of the good old song. It was written 129 years ago, yet it is still sung today, with some adaptations. According to an article written by the Cavalier Daily last year, quote, it is sung to the tune of Old Lang Syne, a popular song typically sung at farewell occasions, such as graduations, funerals, and on New Year's Eve and it's performed by Virginia fans after every score at a home football game, as well as other athletic and university events, end quote. The first part of the good old song is credited to Edward Craighill Jr., who also said that, quote, no man should be credited with the authorship, end quote, as others were involved in the creation. The good old song would not be complete if it weren't for the Wahoo Wah chant at the end. Legend says that chant stems from the word jumbling from singer Natalie Floyd Odie. In 1893, Odie performed Where You Are, there shall my love be. But the singing of Where Are You Are turned into Wahoo Wah. Other adaptations of the song have not been as accepted. After the line, Where All is Bright and Gay, fans have been known to yell homophobic and unsportsmanlike epithets, quote, going directly against the intention of the song, end quote. Starting in the 1970s, fans would shout, Not gay. Decades later, students advocated against this and began shouting, F Tech, instead, a profane insult against Virginia's in state rival, Virginia Tech. In 2019, my first year, there was persistence from the university to alter that history through the showing of a video titled, Keep the Good Old Song Good. However, the rivalry of tech has continued to shine through. UVA is discussed quite frequently for its deep-rooted historical traditions, some of which have disappeared, changed, or persisted. I remember first coming to UVA and on my dorm room was 50 things to do within the first 50 days at UVA. Jake, did you get that? I did, and I did probably none of them, unfortunately. <laughs> do you uh, remember what any of them were? 
I think there was go get photos, take a walk on the lawn, just everything that was historic to the university. Well, I know that there's also one, since I am a rising fourth year, um, there's one for a hundred things to do before you graduate. and. One of them is make sure that you're the number one ticket in Bodos. Have you or your friends ever tried to do that? No, I've not even attempted it, and I'm kind of scared to because I'll be really upset if I wake up at that time and then I don't get the ticket. But that's part of it, I guess. It's part of the fun. One tradition that I have done is painting Bader Bridge. Have you done that yet? I have not painted Bader Bridge, but what did you paint when you did paint it? It was actually with the Cavalier Daily. It was to recruit people, and it got your attention clearly because you you joined us. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was not the best design, but uh, <laughs> but it did work, and so here I am. In today's episode, we discussed the dynamic UVA traditions that have been present on grounds for decades. We heard from Tom Falders, a '71 graduate and former president of the UVA Alumni Association. His lens provided first-hand accounts of how university tradition and culture have changed over the years, and we spoke with Timothy Peoples about the rumors surrounding the alleged revival of Easter's. As we approach Easter, there is no better time to reflect on the uniqueness of UVA's history. After all, we did host what some called the best party in America. While mistakes and wrongdoing coat the university's history, UVA traditions offer us a glimmer of hope that we can adapt, yet maintain practices that connect generations of students. Thank you so much for listening to On Record with your hosts, Ariana Aronson and Jake Adler. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you next time. Make sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. That's all for now, and we look forward to seeing you next week. This has been On Record, a podcast by the Cavalier Daily. This episode was written and hosted by Jake Adler and Ariana Aronson. This episode was produced by Grace Fluarty. And our editors are Ariana Aronson and Grace Fluarty. <laughs>